0: Guys, welcome to episode 3 of the Coaches Catch Up podcast Really appreciate the feedback that's been coming in about episode 1 with Jed and episode 2 with Brysa Today we are chatting to Middlesbrough Academy Manager Craig Little Again, somebody who I spent a bit of time with at Sunderland someone who's really straight talking but has a real way of getting the best out of people. Whether that's players when he's on the grass or in his role at the minute, getting the best out of his staff. I think hopefully he'll take from it a a lot about his role but then also about the trust that you must give to players and staff to get the best out of them on the pitch and I suppose in the academy. So yeah, we always love to hear back from you so any questions you wish for us to pose to our guests please just get in touch and sit back and enjoy the listen with Craig see you guys first of all thanks for coming on appreciate you giving up your your afternoon and and having a chat with us um first question can you give us a quick overview of obviously your coaching journey
1: Yeah, it'll be quick because there's that much of it now. I'm getting on a bit, as you know. Um, so I started. I started at Middlesbrough part time while I was playing. So while I was while I was playing for Darlington League Two, uh, I decided to get involved with Middlesbrough coaching under nines and tens. I think it was at the time. Um, I then had a brief spell as a assistant player, player assistant manager at Darlington while McTate was manager. Um, when I reverted back to being a player, I then went in at Sunderland part-time, working with the under-12s initially. I think in that group was, was Jordan Pickford. Um, yeah. After that, I went in, back into Middlesbrough uh, part-time with the under-14s. I then went on to Darlington as head of the academy, which part of the remit was to coach the under-18s and the reserve side. Um, I then had the first-team manager's role at Darlington for six months. And... The club obviously was in a lot of financial trouble. So I left Darlington, went into Sunderland as under 18 coach for a year with yourself when you were there. Yeah. And after that, I left Sunderland to go back into Middlesbrough as initially was under 15 and 16 lead coach. Uh, then I went into the under 18s, then head of coaching. And four years ago now I was academy manager. So it's been, I've worked from, from every age, from under eights up to to first-team level, I you'd spell as Middlesbrough as a first-team manager for a game.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And it's quite a quite a journey, mate. And then just for those who are listening who might not know, can you just give us a quick insight into your role day-to-day as Academy Manager, kind of what you oversee, mate?
1: Yeah, so I oversee sort of... I think we've got about 35 full-time staff. Um, we have about 180 players from 9 to 23, and we probably have another 25, 30 part-time staff. So I oversee the, all, the heads, all the departments. So sports science, recruitment, medicine, uh, operations, coaching. So I oversee the whole lot, really. Um, the typical day, probably start getting to the office around about quarter past eight in the morning. And obviously before COVID kicked in, when the kids were training on an evening, I'd probably leave here around about quarter to seven on an evening. Um, So long days, seven days a week because the the 23s programmes, the games can be anything from Friday to Sunday. So seven days a week, uh, probably 12 hours a day sometimes. So really long hours, but obviously my kids are growing up now and it's it's probably a job I couldn't have done when the kids were younger. But it's something that I, I absolutely love now. I'm quite fortunate I've got a job that I love coming into.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And then from a coaching point of view, mate, just touch on your kind of background in coaching. Who do you think has had a massive influence, mate?
1: I think two of the... Obviously, the, my, my predecessor was Dave Parnaby here at Middlesbrough. Dave's got a, an unbelievable reputation in youth football. Uh, it was him and, and a guy called Stan Nixon who were running the Middlesbrough Academy at the time. And both of them were real... Fantastic individuals, first and foremost, um, but also fantastic deliverers in, on the coaching field. So they're two who I've, I learned an awful lot of and two guys who I've got the utmost respect for. And I think the position I'm in today is, is quite a bit of it's down to those two as well.
0: Yeah, and just talking about Dave, because I've, I've heard, like you say, loads of loads of positive things about Dave Parnaby and, and the work that he's done. Well, if you could say one thing that you've taken from him into your own, obviously, managerial side and coaching side, what would you say that would be, mate?
1: I think definitely trust. I think Dave, when I come in, especially when I first come in, I was learning on the job, and Dave and Stan as well, both sort of let me develop at my own pace and let me make my own mistakes, but obviously backed me and gave me some guidance. But he, he entrusted me to do a job, which I think... I've tried to take on board now, just as an example, I never I never get involved in picking under 18 sides, under 23 sides, because that's that's why we employ coaches to do that. So mm. I think I put a lot of trust in my staff, and I think that's how ultimately you get the best out of people, by giving them yeah. trust.
0: And then touching on recruitment, mate. so obviously I've worked with you, I know what I think you look for in a player. But yeah. can you just tell people who are listening what do Middlesbrough Academy and, and Craig Little look for in young players who might be trying to get into the club?
1: Yeah, we are very much we, we are on the side of mainly on the side of technical footballers or so boys who can handle the football. Um, Physicality is coming more and more into it, but we especially at the younger groups, what we look into recruit is is players who can handle the football and. We sometimes tend to get a lot of defeats at the younger age groups, but over the years what we tend to find is by the time we get to 16, 17, 18, them them young boys who we've let blossom and develop both technically and physically, they tend to come to the front of the queue. So I love technical players. I love players who can handle the ball. Um, And I think as you get older, then you start looking at... um, hard-working players with a, with a correct attitude, because I think attitude as well goes an awful long way. So in answer to your question, quite probably it changes over the over journey of a, of a player. But ultimately, we start looking at technically gifted players and then we try and add the ingredients as they go on. But I think once you get to that 14, 15, 16 upwards, you're then looking at attitude and application because it's tough. And if you're not prepared to put the hard yards in, ultimately you'll, you'll, you'll fall by the wayside, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's definitely uh, something that sometimes players don't understand is how, how important that side is. And then from your coaching philosophy, Matt, again, hopefully I would like to think that I know a little bit about it. Can you just tell the, the listeners about your coaching beliefs and, and the way you like to work when you're out on the grass? Yeah, I
1: think, um, again, like I alluded to before. We like I like players to get on the ball and pass the ball. Um, I like players to enjoy it. I think you've got to enjoy it. I think the if a coach doesn't enjoy it, he's in the wrong game, and I think that reflects on how he delivers his sessions. Um, again, through the different phases. Again, what I what I'm not embarrassed to say is a lot of coaches tend to feel this, but I'm not. Don't be embarrassed to to win. Don't be embarrassed to be about winning, especially when you get up to the older groups. Yes, we're developing players, but you've still got to have the mindset that you, you need to win. You're in it for a reason, especially when you get up to 16 plus. Uh, but certainly like my teams to, to try and play football in the right way. Again, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of this new phase where players are getting the ball two yards off the goal line and... and lumping it 50 yards and then chasing up the field, it, it's its false. I think, for me, I like players to receive the ball as high up the, as the pitch as they possibly can and develop it through the thirds that way, rather than this new phase where defenders are getting the ball in the six-yard box. That's thats not me, unfortunately. Right, <laughs> Rightly right, or wrongly, that's just my take on it. Hi, that's why I... What I tell you, allude is you don't... We will be teaching players the wrong thing because it it Middlesbrough if we're asking our under way to receive it in the six yard box Neil Warnock is not really what he wants so you've got to get the balance between developing and playing and in, into what what's required at first team level I think
0: yeah absolutely and if you go on Twitter um, I love going on Twitter and have a look Rarely, rarely post anything, but I love going on and having a look, and you, you're never far away from one of these yeah. arguments between your game-based and your, your drill-based and that kind of argument, where do you sit on that, mate?
1: Yeah, I think, again, having have worked with yourself, you probably know my answer, but I think there is a, a need for repetition and, and drill-based, but I think ultimately you you learn better in a game environment, so a lot of our sessions at Middlesbrough Uh, like you say we do do the drill based stuff but a lot of it is around game based training
0: yeah and to touch on to touch on parents mate parents massive influence on probably every everyone under your watch all the kids you said was it 180 kids Um, that the parents have the biggest what what can parents do to have a positive influence mate Uh,
1: just relax I think there's a there's a massive uh, urgency for people to get to somewhere quicker than they need to. So for instance, you have boys who are doing particularly well at under 12. The mums and dads want them playing in under 13s. And you know, my advice is just yes, you do need stretching at times, but just enjoy being the best in your group. Just enjoy going out. Because I think confidence is a massive part in football. So I always go back to my, my own son's journey. Um, when he was under 12, they were playing him up in the 13s, and being the, the person I am, I never got involved, so I would just sit back and watch him play in the under 13s, and he was actually struggling, because he's still a, he's 22 now, and he still doesn't shave, I don't think, he's still like a baby now, but he was playing, because he was good in under 12s, the time, they thought it was right to put him in under 13s, and he was struggling physically, he just couldn't handle it, and I'm stood there on the sideline as a parent, thinking, yeah, please just put him back down in his own age group, because, One, he didn't look happy. Two, he wasn't contributing. And three, I could see his confidence suffering. And I think Dave and Stan at the time realised and we put him back down. So I think just just let, for me, again, something I say to all the parents, if your son is going to be a footballer, if he's good enough, he will be a footballer. There'll be a pathway somewhere for him. Um, And just try and enjoy the journey because it's tough for for a parent these days to bring the kids four, five, six times a week to, to the training ground. And, you know, just enjoy enjoy what you've got because they get to play against the best players in the country. They go and play at the best facilities. We take them all over Europe and around the world. You know, try not to take it too serious until they get up into, into them sort of professional development areas. Age.
0: Yeah, and people, people quite often, you hear people say about, the find that sometimes academies are quite pressure-based. Do you think that's true or do you think that's more parents putting that pressure on and outsiders actually looking from an outside point of view but not being in there
1: yeah 100 parent based we don't put any pressure on the boys at all you know we there's, there's times where we've had to make decisions on boys and it was the best decision was to pull them out of the environment because they were actually struggling and they weren't enjoying it and the parents you could see the parents were heaping tons and tons of pressure on it was it was the coach's fault. It was the academy manager's fault. And the thing, I, again, something I always say, my job and our job is to produce players. We we don't get any any credit. We don't get any joy out of anybody who we have to release or who doesn't actually make it. Because at the end of the day, anybody who comes into the system, we want them to be a professional footballer. But like ultimately, as everybody knows, them, the players who come through are few and far between.
0: Yeah. And, and what would you say Middlesbrough are doing for... Those players who don't become a footballer. So when you get yeah. to those high ages in the scholars, and and then unfortunately they get that meeting where they get getting released. How are middles supporting those guys? Yes, yeah, so we are,
1: we've got I've got a player player care transition team which I uh, chair every three or four times a season. So what basically that is every boy who gets released, whether he's under nine up to twenty threes, we're in contact for a minimum six months. Uh, maximum 12 months just to try and assist them back into grassroots um, help them get back into teams get back integrated into uh, obviously the grassroots environment the older ones we look at uh, education courses we send out uh, brochures to all the other clubs to sort of send the highlights uh, of what they do so we keep in constant contact you will get one or two parents, especially early on, which is understandable, they're quite bitter and a bit bit angry about it. Initially, they don't take up the offer. And if that's the case, then we fine, we let them, you know, come round to it in their own time and hopefully then they come back on side. But we do spend an awful lot of time as, a, as an academy of as trying to, to help and assist the boys because, like I say, it's everybody's dream who comes in the system to be a footballer. And, you know, it, it, it's a major setback um, psychologically for the boys as well and the parents, if I'm being honest. So we do do our best. I think if I'm being really honest, I think we are as good as anybody in the country
0: at what we do. Yeah, fantastic, mate. I think that's a definite little, one of those little things that, that again, push that academy to the next level, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And then thinking about your coaches, the, the guys who work for you, obviously I've worked with, with a few of them, one of them really closely, Crofty, and he's one of the best I've, I've seen. And, and worked with, how do you support them, mate?
1: Um, so I've got a head of coaching. So we've got Phil Shedd, who's the head of coaching. So he's their line manager. So they're, they're obviously reporting to him. So basically, I just direct Phil on what I think is the right approach to certain coaches. You know, some some need guidance, some need help. some Like I said before, some just want to be trusted and left alone. Um, but as long as, as long as they've got the understanding of, of what the club wants and what the club's looking for in terms of a Middlesbrough player, then I just try and respect them a little bit by, well, respect them a lot by just letting them get on and do the jobs. Like, like I said, I've never, I've never been one who's gone in and, and picked teams from under-9s to under-23s. I just think that's the wrong environment you're creating. So I think, again, I try and base what I do a lot around trust and respect for the coaches, and I, I hope, they, hope they appreciate it.
0: And then how do you, you mentioned there, you, you're never going to go in and, and pick the team for the under-9s manager, for example. But how do you then still stay involved with those under nines, mate? How do you always ensure that you've kind of got your finger on the pulse at at all age groups?
1: Yeah. So like I said, it's it's a seven day a week job. So again, I'm at every I'm at every game on a Sunday. Um, I'll try and dot between three or four games, whichever at home. I'm at every game on a under eighteen, every twenty-three game. So I'm at all the games, so I see the boys playing the away games. We get sent back and I'll watch the clips on a Monday, so I'll get to see the highlights of the games on a Monday because I can't physically watch um, every single minute of every single game, but I do get the clips and watch them religiously on a Monday. Um, so I, I do see what's going on. I, th- I am then involved in the multidisciplinary meetings where all the staff get together every six to 12 weeks, With the young- 12 weeks for the younger ones, six weeks for the, the older ones and we discuss each player individually of what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, what his needs are, sort of from a technical, tactical, psychological, and educational perspective. So, again, I I sit in every one of them meeting when I can, so I'm pretty much – I think I've got my finger pretty much on the pulse with them all. Um, And like I say, when it comes to decision time, I'll chair the meeting. Um, The coaches predominantly make decisions, but I will have an opinion because I've seen enough. And the only time really, and it's very, very rarely happens, is if there's a split camp, um, then I'll probably have the, the, the design decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And then kind of your personal development, mate, kind of you, you never, the game's always changing, therefore we all need to be constantly learning. How do you do that, mate?
1: Yeah, so I've got, um, currently I'm on an academy manager's course with the Premier League um i've been on it two years now and it's like a degree course but it's all based around your individual needs so for instance if you ain't good at the the budget side of things because i've got like a a very large budget to deal with you you do accountancy stuff um psychology it's, it's just based around all the different things that you feel that you could improve on and what you've got like a mentor what they think you need to improve on so that's a an ongoing sort of course for me um but i think the key, what I've learned, I was quite an old-fashioned type of coach and an old-fashioned type of man, and I was quite close-minded. So I, I think taking this course, I've, I've opened my mind a little bit, and I'm quite receptive to learning. And just looking at what other people do, and you're not going to take everything what... See, for instance, I'm going to go and look at what and do and Newcastle do and take everything and bring it back. But there might be one thing that they do that I quite like, and and sort of vice versa. So I think being open minded, especially in this day and age, because like you said, it changes that quickly football. You've got to be very open-minded to to stay in touch with the game, I think.
0: Yeah. And and how would you say the game of of well, more in a coaching sense? How do you think that game's changed for me over the last few years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've got
1: to be more I think it's more personal now. So I think it's it's there's a lot about individuals. Everybody's what I've come to realize, everybody's different. So an example I've got from when I was uh, starting out with Darlington, his 18 manager, Dan Byrne, who's playing for uh, Brighton now. So, Dan, I was really tough with Dan because he came come in when he was 17. He'd come in and I was on to him constantly. And I remember Dan, after one Saturday, coming come in to see me and he said, I'm lost, I just don't know what I can do to make you happy anymore. You're just always on my case. And I said, all you need to do, Dan, is head it, kick it, and get the ball and pass it to somebody simple. I said, just do that for the next 68 weeks and you'll be fine. And I said, the minute, you, the, the, minute you're, the minute you've got a problem is when I stop demanding from you. I said, but then then I'll give up because there's no hope for you. And then the kid's rise was incredible. Not down to me, by the way, down to himself. Um, his rise was incredible. He just got his confidence up. And I think me rollicking him, kept, on, kept him on his toes, kept him going because he was quite a laid-back kid. And then I think he just grew into it. Um, so he's like one example where there's another example where, for instance, like a Curtis Mayer, who I think Curtis has just left Aberdeen. Now, Curtis wasn't one who you could give a, a bollock and two. You had to cajole and put your arm around Curtis to get the best out of him. So I think it's it's just the more the more develops, I think it's more about finding out what makes individuals tick and make players tick to get the best out of them.
0: Yeah, well... What three words would the players describe you as, Matt? Uh, if you go back to Danny, would
1: say aggressive, loud, in my face. <laughs> um, nowadays, I'm actually, believe it, or not, Cartier, I'm pretty relaxed with everything. I used to, <laughs> when I was 18's coach, I'd used to, especially middle I'd go in the dressing room and you'd see three or four of them lying on the, on the bench, want to be asleep, want to be playing on his game. And it used to really drive me mad because it was time wasted for me. Now, if I go in there and they're doing it now, I'm just chilled out. I'll have a smile and i laugh with them. And I always say it, but in two years' time, don't come and knock on me door and say, you know, the club haven't done this, the club haven't done that, because we put everything in front of you. And it's up to you to drive it on and to take the, to take the ownership on your, on your programme. But I think people would say I was tough, fair. Um, tough, fair, and I think approachable now because I'm chilled. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, same question, but yes. what three words would the parents describe you as? I think, I think, I'd like to think
1: very. I think the lockdown's done, especially myself and the parents, a lot, uh, it's done a lot for us because, as you know, you've got league coaches nowadays, so everybody feeds into league coaches, but when we first went in lockdown, most of the staff were furloughed, mm-hmm. so I, I was taking on myself to email the parents twice a week uh, to stay in contact with the players via their diaries, the online diaries, once a week. So I think it brought it sort of a togetherness, and I think now I think probably brought it on myself. I get a lot more phone calls and emails from from staff than I from parents than I would have done normally. Uh, but it's something I'm enjoying. I think I like to think I'm approachable. Again, I'm fair. I think I. I know. I think that like, I'd like to think that I know what I'm doing.
0: Good. And then final one on these these little ones: three words that your coaches would describe you as, mate. Oh, um,
1: trustworthy, um, honest, possibly too honest at times, and respectful. I'd like to think. might tell you Crofty
0: might tell you something totally different. I hope he doesn't He's gonna battering you behind your back the other day, is that (laughs) (laughs) and then looking back mate again from your kind of philosophy you said the coaching's changed a little bit from Darlow, from going from probably being a little bit tough on people and now being a little bit more laid back. Does that kind of shape the way that you kind of run the academy? That your own philosophy is that is that changed in the the way that Middlesbrough has kind of kind of kicked on under your leadership, mate?
1: I think I think so. We've got what I like to do, Carty, Is I like to have rightly or wrongly again my philosophy. I like to have a lot of ex players at the top end, so the PDP. So. I mean, we've got Graeme Lee, for instance, who's played 400 league games. Mark Tinkler, similar. James Marwood played professionally. Paul Craig has played at a very good standard. So I like players at that top end who, who've played the game and understand the emotions that goes on in dressing rooms because you can be the best coach in the world. But I think, you, again, people will disagree if you haven't played football, but you've got that little bit of an edge because you know what people are thinking when they go out. I can still remember making me debut for Middlesbrough, what was going on in my head and in my body. And I think that gives a little bit of edge. And I think them lads were probably, especially Mark, I would say Mark was probably a similar type of coach to me where he was quite sort of forceful, um, quite, uh, he wouldn't be fighting to obviously tell people a few home truths. I think he's probably took, looking at me now, and he's probably took a similar sort of stance to me. He's a lot lot more laid back and chilled with things. Um, But I think that's, again, and again, I'm probably rightly or wrongly, everybody's petrified of these days about, you know, if you lose your head with a, a young player, are you going to get accused of being a bully and stuff like that? So I think the world's changed and I think everybody's had to adapt to that. But I still don't think, I still think you've got to keep the honesty and tell people, you know, if they're not doing it, but it's got to be in a probably a, a different manner to what it was 10, 15 years ago.
0: Yeah. Possibly just the delivery. Yeah. You've yeah.
1: The same, same message messages, just a delivery. different. Yeah.
0: And then, looking forward, mate, for you, future future plans, anything you still want to achieve, anywhere you kind of want to kick on to, future plans for Borough?
1: Mm. Uh, well, coming up 50 this year, so... Am I still on?
0: Yeah, you're on there, yeah, go on. It's my me, wife, my
1: wife's ringing us there, so I'll knock off. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming up 50 this year, um, so I would like to stay in the game until my till I retire. Um, Don't ever. I've had a couple of experiences. First team manager at Darlington, and then I had the one game. I have got a hundred percent record at Middlesbrough as the manager, so (laughs) I've got no intention of changing that. So I'm just happy in what I do, and I just want to keep on. For me, just develop this this academy because for me, it's it's the best that I've ever worked at or or been at, and just to just to continue to develop and improve. Because I think, like I say, I think we have done over the last few years.
0: and I'd just like to keep, keep that going, really. Yeah. And then some quick-fire questions to finish, mate. Yeah. Now I did, I did this. I've done this with a few people, by the way, and their quick-fire questions took about 25 minutes. So let's see oh, how you yeah. Favourite player to watch at the minute? At the minute? Oh, Kevin De Bruyne. One thing you would change about football? VR.
1: I'm not a fan of VR. I think it kills the emotion of the game.
0: Best coach you've worked with?
1: Oh, best coach I've worked with. Tell you somebody, he's just gone into Newcastle, Jonesy, Graham Jones. I worked yep. with Jonesy at Middlesbrough in Darlington College a few years ago. Well, a, lot, a long time ago now, but I always knew he was going to be a top coach. He's delivering his manners, fantastic. I think he'd be a massive success at Newcastle.
0: Best player you've coached? Uh, Me, if you two, want. Two,
1: probably Dan, Dan Byrne, one. Uh, I'll, I'll see a three, Carty. Dan Byrne one. A lad called Harry Chapman's probably the most talented I've worked with. Um, he's played, he's at Blackburn, which I know shows me now. And obviously yourself.
0: <laughs> Best bit of advice you could give a player? Uh, work
1: hard, listen, and talent alone doesn't get you where you want to go to.
0: Best bit of advice you could give a coach? Uh,
1: be yourself. Uh, don't be open-minded be yourself uh, continue to learn develop and don't be afraid to stand by your beliefs
0: thank you very much mate that was really really All good right. I enjoyed obviously having it having a chat with you um, and I think the way that like I mentioned the growth that Middlesbrough Academy's had over these past few years I think that comes obviously down to yourself and the management that you're obviously overseeing and the people that you've got around you. So great stuff, mate. And thank you very much for giving up your time. Not fun. Thanks, mate. Not, man. Cheers, Carly. So that's that. Um, A really honest and insightful recording with with Lids. Um, Again, someone who I really admire in the way that... Not only he's developed his career, not only the way he coaches, but the way he is as a person with players and and staff. Um, Again, we would love any feedback. So please get in touch if you have any. And we'll be back again next week with a recording with Ben Kopp, the uh, lead foundation phase coach at Sunderland. Okay. Look forward to hearing from you all soon and stay safe, guys.